It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday before the draft. As weird as this is, the middle of November, the draft is only five days away. If you've been with us all week, we've been doing a bunch of different things, mostly talking potential draft partners, also continuing Big Board 3.0. Today, what we're going to do, there's a few notes that have come up in the past 24 hours or so related to the draft, related to some offers the Wolves are reportedly making around the league, and uh, then also some interesting behind-the-scenes team profiles on the Wolves done by both uh, Royce Young at ESPN and John Krasinski, our friend at The Athletic. And then I do want to get to number 20 and 21 on the big board today, kind of wrap up big board 3.0 uh, with that, you know, top I, I've been doing 21 players just kind of arbitrarily a few beyond where the Wolves pick at number 17. But then next week, I do want to focus on pick number 33. We haven't spent much time with the latter part of the first round, top of the second with the Wolves at pick 33 and also the possibility they could always trade back, uh, you know, from 17 or acquire an additional pick late in the first round. I think it's important to profile a few guys, just a couple minutes on a few different players that you should be familiar with heading into the draft next week. So that'll be a focus of Monday and Tuesday. But for today, we're talking the latest rumors, the behind-the-scenes team profiles, a couple of interesting nuggets there, and then also 20 and 21 on the big board, and that'll be today's show. All right, as always, a quick reminder here off the top, please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves. That's at LockedOnTWolves. Don't forget the T. And uh, if you aren't super familiar, if you're listening for the first time here leading up to the draft, this is a daily Monday through Friday podcast and uh, we'll be with you, of course, throughout next week on draft day. The morning after, we'll have immediate reaction, probably record it the night of the draft um, and, uh, you know, just kind of kind of sift through everything that happens throughout next week. It should be a ton of fun. All right. So for today's show here, first thing I wanted to do is talk about the uh, the rumor that's been out there related to Jarrett Culver in the 17. This came out actually while I was recording Wednesday's podcast. I kind of reacted to it really live. Um, as I, as I saw the tweet from Kevin O'Connor at the ringer that the wolves have offered the Hawks, Jarrett Culver in the 17th pick for the number six pick in the draft. We talked extensively about the wolves trading back from one to six. Could the wolves pick up a player from the Hawks, a John Collins, a, you know, a couple of wings, Kevin Herter, maybe somebody else that they would be willing to offer. Could there be a bigger deal that the wolves slide back to six, but apparently the wolves are interested in moving up from 17 and are offering Jarrett Culver. There's an article by The Athletics, uh, The Athletic in Atlanta, Chris Kirshner, who says that the Wolves, it's not just a Hawks rumor. It's not that the Hawks are trying to get Jarrett Culver or trying to slide back in the draft. It's that the Wolves have apparently, according to him, quote, put the offer on the table for multiple teams. Um, and so seven, 17 and Culver are on the table for multiple teams to slide up into the lottery, I would assume if they're targeting, you know, one of those three and D wings, whether it's a Devin Vassell or maybe it's a 
more of a big like a Patrick Williams. Maybe they think Obi Toppin will be on the board. Maybe it's Isaac Okoro, who we know they've worked out. He's more of a strict, you know, he's a defender, um, doesn't bring much to the table offensively. But all those guys are probably going to go somewhere in the five to 10 range. So maybe they're calling on the Pistons at seven and the Knicks at eight and everybody else in that range. Could we slide up from the Cavs at five? Maybe could we give you Culver in the 17 to move up in the draft and, uh, and, and take somebody there? So it's not just a hawk specific rumor. So I thought that was interesting. It also kind of, uh, that, that kind of outs the wolves on what they're trying to do here. Um, not that it's not hard for other teams to piece it together as they're just kind of calling around and apparently shopping Culver, trying to gauge his trade value. I've said this before. I think Culver has trade value. I think that if the wolves find the right trade to move him in, they should do it. But the only way you should package him in 17 a year into his career is if you're absolutely sure that there's somebody there that, that you're going to love. If, if you love Obi Toppin, you're going to take Lamella ball one. And you're thinking, man, we're going to have, if we get Lamella ball and Obi Toppin with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, we, I mean, that would be a dynamic offensive team, be awful defensively. But if that's what they're sold on, maybe it's Isaac Okoro is going to change the culture of our defense and we need him at number six, then you can make the argument Culver in the 17 is worth it. But if you're just simply taking another lottery ticket and I get that nothing's really a sure thing in the draft, but to give up last year's number six pick to move up 11 spots in a draft where a lot of folks think there's not a huge difference from, you know, picks seven, eight, nine, 10 and, you know, 15, 16, 17. And there's just, once you get past that first tier, there's just this huge second and third tier. That's, that's really the the majority of the first round. And, um, you better really be sure if you're going to give up after one year on Jarrett Culver to move up that said, it would not surprise me if Culver's moved later this offseason in a separate deal. I'm just not sure I would do it to move up 11 spots in this year's draft unless maybe there's something where they get a contingent deal or they get a deal in place based on a contingency. Like if the wolves call up, I will say it is the Hawks and say, Hey, if Toppin or if Vassell or whoever is there at six, we'll trade you Culver in 17. If they're not, then we don't want to make that trade. That sort of thing happens quite frequently. That potentially could be a, could be something they're looking at. We don't know for sure. Um, Terry's Halbert, and I, I should mention, is another name that there's steam consistently around him and the Wolves. Um, from ESPN, there was. From Jonathan Gavoni, there was. From um, Kevin O'Connor at the Ringer as well. Halbert is just a name that seems to be following the Wolves and uh, interesting because he is, he is more in that kind of Killian Hayes, needs the ball in his hands a little bit more often mold. Um, and, you know, it'd be shocking if the Wolves ended up with Ball and Halliburton because now you've got three guys in Ball, Halliburton, and Russell who all are best with the ball in their hands. Um, and, and that could be challenging to for Ryan Saunders to, to try and coach that trio together and make sure they're and don't forget, you got Carl Anthony Towns, who they want to initiate offense more often, too. So all that to say, that's a rumor that's out there. The other thing I wanted to mention here um, off the top was the articles at ESPN and The Athletic that are really kind of behind the scenes looks at the Timberwolves and their draft room, their draft process. Uh, we'll start with the ESPN one, which there were a couple of nuggets in here that I didn't know. Um, this is by Royce Young, who was the Thunder reporter for a long time for ESPN, but now he's one of their staff writers for uh, for ESPN for the NBA coverage. And it's a pretty extensive behind the scenes profile, but kind of right off the top, it's like four paragraphs in. I was really surprised to find out Rudy Tomjanovic, Hall of Fame coach, of course, of the Houston Rockets and the LA Lakers, he uh, he's a consultant for the Timberwolves. And maybe that's out there and I missed it, but I feel like I that's something I would have remembered. Um, but fascinating that he is the uh, a front office consultant for the Timberwolves. Not shocking, obviously, because he um, he I, you know, worked in the Houston Rockets front office and and has a lot. You know, Gerson Rosas has been around quite a bit as well. So those guys have 
have a connection, surely, but very surprising. And also what was interesting is that the reason he's brought up here is they're talking about, you know, this kind of fly on the wall scenario that Royce Young paints is the Wolves draft room is discussing the possibility of James Wiseman playing alongside Carl Anthony Towns. Could that work? Could there be, you know, discussing other two big partnerships, two, you know, duos of seven footers around the league. And so Tomjanovic called in to discuss Hakeem Olajuwon and Ralph Sampson in Houston together, you know, a couple, three decades ago, uh, which is just, to me, just fascinating that it does not fit anything that we know about Gerson Rosas and Ryan Saunders, but it speaks to the level of, uh, of, I guess, no stone unturnedness, if you will, in the Wolves front office. And they're examining every possible possibility and they're legitimately considering every player on their draft board. So it talks about all the different guys in the rooms, the things they do on Zoom meetings, how they're paying attention to, you know, context in Zoom meetings, what's in the background, who's walking by, are they talking to someone off camera? Um, it talks about the the culture that they're building in Minnesota, which we've heard a lot about um, and we talked a lot about on this show. But there's quotes in here from Dr. Robbie Sika. There's quotes from Rosas, Sashin Gupta, Ryan Saunders, um, and uh, just a really fun read, but to me, nothing really like groundbreaking other than, than just how detailed this is. There's also an interesting quote from Ed Tapscott, who's a player personnel consultant for the Wolves. He was briefly the head coach of the, uh, it was with the Wizards and the Warriors. Um, and he has a, a quote in here where he, it says, he proudly says, Tapscott proudly says, I have never been part of a group as prepared as this, which is high praise from somebody who's been around the league for a long time. So all signs in this article, you know, I, I get that that's the point. It's a profile of, of effectively they gave they gave Royce Young access to get behind the scenes, but a lot of good stuff in here. Um, interesting, interesting information, um, and and promising just just how thorough this process has been. Okay, before we get into the other article and also the uh, the look at the big board for today, I, I want to mention the awesome project we're doing at Lockdown NBA. Uh, if you follow the Lockdown NBA podcast feed, this is uh, today, Friday, is the third day of our mock draft. The NBA draft is, of course, only five days away, and we're mock drafting every single first round pick. Every single Locked On podcast uh, host is involved in this. And so, of course, I made the number one pick. That was on Wednesday's show. Uh, the next day, the Thursday show, the second episode in the series was picks, I think it was six through uh, 11. And then today on Friday is picks uh, 12 through, I believe, 17 or 18. And of course, the Wolves have picked 17. So I picked maybe a surprising, uh, made a surprising selection at 17. So check that out. And the, the awesome thing about it is that Chad Ford and the Athletics John Hollinger, Sports Illustrated's Jeremy Wu are reacting along with some other Lockdown NBA experts, um, reacting to all the picks. So you'll get to hear their reaction to my selection. Um, check the feed to catch up on past shows from the series and don't miss a pick. Subscribe to Lockdown NBA today, wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Next, I want I do want to talk about the athletic profile that John Krasinski did, and then we'll jump into uh, players 20 and 21 on the big board before we do that, though, we must talk about our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time. It's new and improved. It was already delicious, brand new, even more delicious taste, brand new packaging, logo, etc. There were already 12 original flavors of Built Bar. There's now six brand new amazing flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Built Bar protein bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They taste exactly like a candy bar. It's not an exaggeration. They're perfect if you're health conscious, if you're trying to lose or maintain weight while still indulging in a delicious treat. They're all low calorie, low sugar, high in protein and high in fiber and perfect if you are on a keto diet. Right now for a limited time only, you can get a free cooler with your purchase. 
only while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON. You get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, I wanted to briefly touch on John Krasinski's piece over at The Athletic about behind the scenes in the Timberwolves draft room. It's a different angle than Royce Young's piece at ESPN. Of course, this piece is The Athletic, so it is subscription required. If you have an athletic subscription, check it out. If you don't, um, consider it. This is an outstanding piece. Basically, what Krasinski does, he goes through and he takes each member of the uh, in the Wolves draft room and kind of profiles them. He spends more time on some guys than others, but a really interesting exercise. So he talks about Gianluca Pascucci, who, of course, is the assistant GM, was with Rosas in, in Houston and spent time with the Brooklyn Nets as their director of global scouting. He is in charge of pro personnel scouting for the Wolves. He oversees, he's actually the GM of the Iowa Wolves in the G League and organizes the pre-draft process for the Wolves. So he talks about uh, what Pascucci brings through him. Sashin Gupta, we've talked about a lot on here. He almost became the King's president of basketball operations a couple months ago. He's the Wolves EVP and has an extensive history with the Rockets, the Pistons, the Sixers, et cetera. Joe Branch, this one was one of the more interesting ones to me. He's an assistant GM. He was an agent up until a little over a year ago. He was an agent at Rock Nation and he reps plenty of players, including Karis LeVert of the Nets and joined the Wolves a little over a year ago. And, and basically I, I knew that much about him. I didn't really consider the the reason why they hired him and and it's and maybe it's obvious but the Wolves hired Joe Branch to kind of give them the perspective of what are players thinking during the draft process how can you you know position the things that are best about this organization, this franchise that's attractive to draft prospects and also free agents and potential trade targets and give us a window into the mindset of players and their families and the people around them and their agents and what's important to them. How can we have the best information? What's the, what's the thought process through all of this? And it's just fascinating um, and really, really smart. And something that I know, you know, obviously the Knicks new front office has a heavy agent influence in it. Um, but it's, it's a little bit of a kind of a newer way of thinking about this, which is not unusual for Gerson Rosas also talks about Manny Rohan, the assistant GM who's been with the Wolves since 2010 I did know he had been with the team for a long time and had been there under Flip Saunders and Tom Thibodeau, but I did not know he was actually hired as an intern by David Kahn or for David Kahn under David Kahn in 2010. And he's kind of the CBA expert, the collective bargaining agreement expert who is in the room to help Gupta and Gerson Rosas with the planning for any free agency, potential free agency moves, trades, et cetera. Um, there's a little bit on Ryan Saunders, Robbie Sicca, of course, the VP of basketball performance and technology. And then also Scott Layden, who was hired along with Tom Thibodeau uh, four years ago to kind of be the check on Tibbs. And he never really was that, but apparently everybody in the organization loves him and he provides some interesting perspective. He's got history working for the jazz Knicks and Spurs. And then there's a lot of, at the end here about Gerson Rosas and ultimately what the decisions uh, that need to be made and, and why this team has been assembled in this way. Another, just kind of a different angle and interesting behind the scenes look. So if you do have an athletic subscription, check it out. There's some, some fun nuggets in there. Uh, but I, I appreciated kind of the mini profiles in each of the members of the front office uh, by John there at the athletic. All right, let's cruise right into 
Big Board 3.0. I do still want to cover two players today. Number 20 on my big board. Um, actually, before I do that, let me quick just run down where we're at on the board. If this is the first time you've listened in a little while, um, here's the board so far. And again, this is from the Timberwolves perspective. If I were in the Wolves front office, here's how I would rank my big board one through 19 so far. This is the third time we've done this dating back to June. Um, and I've kind of split them up two or three per show over the last several months. And this is again, the third time through. So big board 3.0, the order so far. LaMelo Ball, number one, Killian Hayes, number two, Anthony Edwards, three, Tyrese Halliburton, four, Devin Vassell, five, Obi Toppin, six, Florida State, Patrick Williams, seven, Sadiq Bey, number eight, Auburn's Isaac Okoru, nine, Onyeko Kongwu from USC is number 10, James Wiseman, I have down at 11 on my board, Aaron Nesmith is number 12, Kyra Lewis Jr. from Alabama, 13, Tani Avdia is 14, Josh Green out of Arizona is 15, Alexi Pokasevsky, number 16, Tyrell Terry out of Stanford is 17, and uh, RJ Hampton, 18, and then Tyrese Maxey from Kentucky is number 19 on the board. All right, so today, let's talk about number 20 first. Number 20 on the big board is Precious Achua out of Memphis. Precious Achua is a six foot nine big man with a seven two wingspan, and I'll just say this immediately. I think I put him too low on my board. Um, I... I Actually, if I was going to redo this and we don't have time to do a 4.0, I had him 18 last time and that's probably about right. I think I'd actually probably put him in the 16 to 18 range and slide down, you know, maybe Maxi, maybe Hampton. Um, I know I, I wasn't a big fan of RJ Hampton when I profiled him. It's just hard to ignore size athleticism like that in a wing. But I think Achua could have a better impact immediately um, at the NBA level than, uh, than some of these other guys. And uh, his profile is perfect for for the, the modern day rim running athletic big man who can, who can defend multiple positions, et cetera. And the only, like there, there's plenty of concerns with him related to how raw his game is. He's, he's roughly 21 years old already, but yet he doesn't have consistent shot mechanics. He shot 30% on jump shots at Memphis. He's got a lot of work to do there, there mechanically. And so teams may be able to just ignore him in the NBA on, on that end of the floor. However, he's so athletic and such a good rebounder, especially an offensive rebounder, that um, he's still going to have an impact at the NBA level offensively from day one. And he's so, again, so athletic, so big, so long, a 7-2 wingspan, that he should be able to make a, a serious uh, impact as a multi-positional defender immediately at the NBA level. And this is an interesting kind of, it's almost like a, I guess it brings me to the, the debate between who's the perfect, what's the perfect player to put next to Towns in the front court? Is it the uh, the traditional modern day stretch four, like a Juancho Hernan Gomez or a Laurie Markkinen, somebody who's going to be a, a okay defender? And, you know, Hernan Gomez can guard a couple positions. He's fine defensively. He's not a, he's not a shot blocker. He's not a rim protector per se, um, but he can knock down threes in an above average clip. He's got a little bit of offensive upside as a playmaker. Is it more of a small ball for like a Jake Lehman, who's like six, eight, six, nine athletic, decent defender, decent outside shooter, kind of a little bit more of a jack of all trades. James Johnson kind of fits that mold as well. Is it that type of a player or is it a bouncy athletic rim runner and defender like an Anyaku Kongwu, um, who's going to go in the top five, six, seven picks in this draft? Or is it a precious Achua um, who's a little bit, maybe more, I guess, early career James Johnson and that he doesn't have the outside shot and he's athletic, et cetera. Um, Montrez Harrell's another comp for Achua. I think he reminds me a little bit more of Harrell than James Johnson. Maybe again, early career James Johnson. Um, is it more of the athletic bouncy player with 
with the upside in the pick and roll and in the open floor and in transition and a surprisingly good handle and, and likely a good cutter from the perimeter, but, but not an outside shooter. And is that the direction the wolves should, should look to pair with towns? And that to me is the biggest question surrounding this roster construction. What direction do the wolves go with that? Um, there's arguments to be made in all different directions. And right now the wolves have two of those three things on the roster. And, uh, you know, they have Jake Lehman, they have James Johnson, they have Hernan Gomez, who's a restricted free agent. They've got a number of different directions they can go. But if a two is on the board at 17 and some of these other three and D wings are gone, or if the wolves end up trading back, if they pick up a mid twenties pick and a two somehow slides that far, I don't think he will. Then he's an interesting kind of test case for, and not that you want to take a player in the first round as a test case, but that late in the first round, maybe it's not, again, it's not like the wolves are a playoff team yet. And perhaps they can strike lightning in the bottle with the type of defender that could fit well next to towns. Now he's not Onyeko Kongwu defensively, and he's certainly not Bam Adebayo defensively, but could he be, or could he be a little bit of a different version of that um, on the wolves and, and help towns with the rebounding and, and the rim protection and, and kind of patrolling the paint. So at any rate, a two is one of those types of big men. Um, Rim runner, big defender, multi-positional defender, no outside shot at all. Problems with free throws. Good touch, though, and surprisingly good handle. Um, so he's intriguing for me. And, and frankly, I should have had him a little bit higher in that 16 to 18 range. And if the Wolves took him at 17, I wouldn't be upset about it. All right, let's talk about player number 21 on the big board next. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, I actually want to talk about two players here. Uh, so I'm kind of cheating. I guess I'm extending the big board to 22, but there's a couple guys I want to talk about. One is Theo Maladon, the point guard who I've had on the big board the last couple of times, and he's been sliding a little bit for me, especially with the knowledge that we have that the Wolves are likely going to take LaMelo Ball first if they don't trade down. But I'd still like to talk about Maladon and uh, what he could bring to the table. But then also Jaden McDaniels, who's kind of one of those three, four hybrid wing bigs that uh, the Wolves seem to like and could have some upside as a late first round flyer, especially if the Wolves were to trade back. So first, Maladon, um, he basically he's just a solid point guard. And that's kind of what he profiles as. I don't really know what his his upside would be beyond that. He just kind of feels like one of those guys that's going to kick around the league and be a solid starter or a really good backup. Um, you know, just just a professional point guard. Um, and he's six four, nice wingspan, almost six nine wingspan. Runs the pick and roll well, shoots the ball well, is a good finisher on the rim. He's he's mentor. He's he's French and he's a uh, mentored by Tony Parker. Um, and so he's got some of that, you know, floater game, the touch around the hoop. Uh, I mean, I guess the concern with him is that he doesn't have a super quick first step. He's almost in some ways like a bigger Jordan McLaughlin, but he's not, I don't think quite as explosive as McLaughlin. Now he's five inches taller and has a wingspan. That's probably half a foot larger as well. Um, and, but he's an okay defender. He's a solid all around offensive player. He's the type of guy that you could take late in the first round and plug him in as your backup point guard for the foreseeable future. Um, and there's a lot to like about that. I just don't know if the Wolves take Lamella Ball number one, there's really not much appetite to also draft Maladon because you've got Ball, you've got D'Angelo Russell, you presumably have Jordan McLaughlin back. So there really isn't a reason to draft him. However, if 
say they don't draft ball and they trade back and they're not sold on McLaughlin or they don't bring McLaughlin back. Melodon's the type of guy you could just say, yeah, he's going to be one of the better backup point guards in the league. That's his upside. And that's, that's positive. That's a good thing. Um, so I think he'd be a fine draft pick, maybe not at 17. I think he's more consistently mocked around the 20 to 25 range. Um, he's only, he's not, I think he just turned 19. Um, so there's certainly some upside there. I just, with his lack of athleticism and kind of the craftiness of his game, he just profiles for me as more of a solid all around point guard than a, than a potential star. The other player that I want to talk about is Jada McDaniels, who uh, is six, nine with almost a seven foot wingspan out of Washington. He's listed in most places as, as a wing, but he's a really big wing. So there's some Richard Lewis comps with him um, a little bit. I think um, he, but I think he actually, he handles the ball. I mean, I guess prime Richard Lewis handled the ball a little bit, but this is uh McDaniels can handle the ball a little bit. Um, he's a solid, a solid shooter from really everywhere um, on the court. And he should be a good defender. The problem is, is that he hasn't yet been a great defender at the college level. Again, I mean, he's a player who's roughly 20 years old um, and he hasn't been consistent on either end of the floor is the biggest knock. Um, he's not strong. He's not thick or big at all. Really. He's got to put on some weight and strength to help on both ends of the floor. You're talking about a guy who has the size profile to play the four easily and maybe even the five in small ball lineups at the NBA level, but he doesn't defend well enough or consistently enough to do that. The reason I wanted to talk about him. And frankly, I think he's a, he's a late first round, um, you know, 25 to 30 ish, um, pick. And, and really, if you draft him, you're kind of taking a flyer. He's one of those boomer bust type guys. Um, but, the Wolves could take him and think, you know, maybe he it could, could be a long-term fit next to Towns. He's going to play behind, you know, he's not going to be your backup center. Nas Reed's going to be your backup center. He's not going to be your starting four or your backup four. There's some similarities to Jared Vanderbilt, although he's got more shooting touch than Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt has more strength. Um, but he's that type of a player, though, you know, an athletic six, nine guy who, um, who can do a few different things. And, and, and again, it's back to that conversation from last segment about what type of four, what kind of three, four combo do you want to put next to Carl Anthony Towns? Is it a Jake Lehman or is it a Jaden McDaniels type or is it a, a defender type? Um, and McDaniels fits more of that stretch four mold, but he's bouncier than, than some of the other, um, the other stretch fours, uh, that, that, that the Wolves could consider or, or then a guy like Hernan Gomez, for instance. But at any rate, McDaniels is an intriguing prospect. I'd be surprised if the Wolves ended up with him unless he slides. There's a chance he slides to 33. He's not a shoe in to be a first round pick in this draft. Nobody really after pick like 17 or 18 is a shoe in. There's just so much uh, parity among the prospects in terms of their talent level and, and their upside and, and things like that. McDaniels is a guy who doesn't have a super safe floor, but he also doesn't have a cap. Like we just talked about Maladon, who he's going to be a a backup point guard or a really good backup point guard, or maybe kind of an average starter is kind of his ceiling. McDaniels could be anywhere from a, you know, never making it into the rotation, kind of bounce back and forth between the G and the G league and the NBA anywhere up to being a starter star type level player. He's that got that kind of an upside because of his size and athleticism and also shooting touch. I mean, those are all really attractive traits. So I wanted to mention him because I could see a scenario that he ends up in Minnesota if he were to slide down the board and the Wolves want to take a flyer. But there's too many similarities to guys like Vanderbilt. Um, you know, there's some overlap with James Johnson. And uh, and I don't, you know, I don't think it's likely the Wolves were to take would take him at, say, 17 um, or anything like that. But I thought it was important to mention him.
All right, that wraps up Big Board 3.0. Again, as I mentioned off the top, I want to get back to uh, pick 33, and McDaniels might be somebody I mention again next week as I profile guys who are likely to be on the board at 33. And uh, that'll be the focus of, uh, of the show on Monday and Tuesday of next week leading into the draft. Also, another reminder, check out the Lockdown NBA podcast dra- uh, uh, podcast feed, excuse me, to check out this week's mock draft. We are into the, the middle teens now. The Wolves pick at 17 is on Friday's episode. So check out episodes one, two, and three from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Get ready for the draft. And then next Wednesday, we'll have a live draft show on the Lockdown NBA feed. So be sure to check that out. Myself and other Lockdown NBA hosts will be live um, as the teams make the picks and trades go down and all that good stuff. So be sure to stay tuned for that. All right, that's today's show. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves. That's at Locked On T Wolves. Don't forget the T. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Have a great weekend. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 